every time we think about the humility of your son, the king, being born among animals, born in a manger. And so as we consider that story again tonight, would you uh, show us something we need to hear, help us receive it. We thank you for all that you've done. Clearly you've given us the most amazing gift and we keep celebrating you for that. So please open our hearts to whatever you'd have for us at this, at this time, in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been looking for a place to stay. Because it's not like it's just you and your bride. It's you and your pregnant bride, your bride that's about to give birth. I and mean, I remember I remember our firstborn son. I remember the night. I remember what happened. I remember uh, getting into a car and the snow was flying and the roads were slippery. I saw two deer on the way to Berlin, Wisconsin. And what should have taken 20 minutes because the snow became maybe 30 or 40 minutes. I had to drive slow. I remember just gripping the steering wheel. And, 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 but, but the fact is, when I got to the hospital... People received us, you know. I mean, there was a place, there was a warm bed, there was people there to help, the doctor was there. But Mary, you're in Bethlehem, you're there for a census and there's nowhere to stay. Well, you can always give birth and place them in a manger. You can always do that. And so they did. Now, it's funny because, you know, the innkeepers in the video... Uh, the innkeeper is a biblical figure that's not biblical. I mean, you realize that, right? He, if you read the story, he's not actually in the Bible. It says there's no room in the inn, so we assume that there must have been somebody that said no vacancy and, and turned them into the night, or, 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 or the person in the video that would say, I got an idea. There's a place I know we can go. You ever been locked outside of your house? That's like one of the worst feelings in the world. When I lock myself out of the house, which has happened more than once, so I can say when I lock myself out, and I know it'll happen again, so I can say when I lock myself out. Um, you go to the, first you try the door, and you were like, oh, I only went for a walk. Why did I lock the door? You know, I live in small town Wisconsin. What am I thinking? You try the door, try the back door, then you start looking in the windows, right? You start pushing up on the windows to see which one might be loose. And you look over your shoulder because you're not sure if the neighbor's looking at this mysterious figure trying to crawl, break into his own house, and you're kind of thinking, I hope they see it's me and don't call the cops. You know? Don't do that. It's me. It's a terrible feeling. But one of the most awkward feelings, I think, when you're, you know, you're looking into the window at your own house and you're seeing your furniture, you're seeing your kitchen, you're seeing your stuff, and you're like, that's my stuff. That's my kitchen. That's my sofa. I want to be in there, but I can't be in there. I'm out here. And it's so frustrating because you're like, I was just in there this morning. But I'm not anymore. I'm just not. I kind of doubt, if there was an innkeeper, I kind of doubt that the innkeeper would have turned away Jesus, the King of Kings, if he would have known if he would have known. But he didn't know. 
There's an interesting parallel story. It's actually a a uh, illustration that Jesus gives himself of being outside of someone's house and wanting to get in. And it's not the innkeeper story. It's a different story. It's Jesus talking to a first century church, and he wants to let them know, he wants the believers of this church to know, hey, I'm on the outside of your house. You've bolted the door on me, and I want to come in. It's Revelation chapter 3. I think a lot of you are familiar with it. It's the church in Laodicea. And it got me thinking, if I was an innkeeper and I knew the King of Kings, the Messiah, the Son of God was going to be born, I'd certainly let him in. Of course I'd let him in. But Jesus says, the state of many believers, the state of many Christians is that they keep Jesus on the outside of their, of their heart. You get to stay on the outside, and I'm on the inside. And, and it's mind-boggling that that's the way it is. But, but listen, you, you've heard this verse. Uh, this is the church in Laodicea, Revelation 3, verse 20. Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, I've just, that verse is often used for people who don't believe in Jesus. Like Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Won't you let him in? But this is Revelation 3. This is Jesus talking to believers, Christians. What in the world would Jesus be doing outside the door of your heart. Why would he be there and not here on the inside? Why would we treat him like he was treated on that first Christmas? What is going on? Well, to answer the question, why is Jesus on the outside of anybody's heart that's actually a believer in him? It's called apathy. It's called, in this passage, it's called being lukewarm. Jesus says, you believers, you're, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're, you're lukewarm. And I wish you were either hot or cold. So, and when he says hot, he doesn't mean just like warm. He, he means boiling hot. Hot to the touch. He means on fire with passion for God. I know sometimes on fire for God is a phrase that I feel like that was in my teenage years. Be on fire for God, they would say. Um, that could be emotional, but it's so much more than that. I mean, literally, Jesus means, I want you to be hot in your passion for me. I'd rather have you be hot or freezing cold than to be here in the middle, lukewarm, apathetic. When you have a don't care attitude about Jesus, even though you're a believer, even though you know one day you'll be in heaven with him and things will be good there, but in this moment right now, you're just apathetic. You're just, I, I could care less. You're kind of like, I'm sorry, I'm a guy. I always go for the sports analogy, so forgive me tonight. Sometimes I do women's analogy, you know, sometimes. Um, but, you, you know, you talk to somebody, and, and let's say you're talking about your favorite sports teams, and you tell them your favorite football team. And, and they're like, yeah, I watch them. I watch that team every Sunday. Well, how do you feel about them? Eh, no, you know, come on. Uh, and you're like, you watch them every Sunday. I watch every single game. 
Do you get excited? No, not really. Well, come to a game. Let's go to a game, and I'm sure you'll get excited. And you bring them to a game, and you're sitting there, and people are cheering, touchdown, and, and they're just sitting there. You know, they're just sitting there. You don't do that. And, and, and Jesus, I, that, that is, Jesus is like, I'd rather have you hot or cold. Either love me with a hot passion or just be completely frozen and cold and distant. But not this middle, eh. I believe it doesn't change me much. It doesn't affect my life much. I, I, don't, I don't do much different. That's apathy. That's apathy. I, I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm on the fence. I have faith. What's Jesus doing? He's outside your heart because you're apathetic, you're lukewarm, you don't have a hot love for Jesus, and so he's out there. That's You put him out. And Jesus says, it makes me sick. I just feel like I'm going to vomit you out. You're lukewarm. It's gross. Now, he's knocking, right? So, so we got that. He's knocking, right? He's knocking. And I don't know what you do. When someone knocks on my door, if, if it's early in the morning, I might not get up and answer the door. Or if I'm sitting down to a meal with my family and I hear someone knock and I look out there and I, I don't recognize the person, I might not. I mean, I think you've all been there. Don't, it's not just me, right? I mean, sometimes you haven't answered the door. But, but it's Jesus knocking and he's knocking. And, and I think... This is, this is the one who says, I'm, I feel like I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Now, that's like a, I think that's a word for discipline. You know, like, I'm going to get your attention. It's going to be gross. You're not going to like it. It's going to be ugly. I feel like vomiting you out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. And, but before he does that, he just knocks. He just knocks. But not only does he knock, he also speaks. Because you might, not not, you might not know who's at the door. But he says, if anyone hears my voice, what's Jesus saying when he knocks? What's he saying? Open the door, you dirty sinner. I saw what you did yesterday. Haven't seen you in church recently. Wish you'd spend... I think he's saying, can I come in? Can I come in? Not words of condemnation. I believe he's saying, can I come in? Now, uh, Jesus talked about uh, how we are his sheep and he's the shepherd and sheep know his voice, right? He talked about that in the book of John. If you're a sheep and Jesus is outside the door of your house, and we're mixing metaphors now, the shepherd's knocking at the door, you recognize that voice. You recognize the voice, you know? So if I'm knocking on the door of my house and it's locked and Christy's on the inside, I hope she knows my voice. Hopefully. And she says, that's Niall. Well, we're not going to get up too fast, but you know, um, she'll, she'll get there, right? But the point is, you know Jesus' voice, you're already his sheep. Now think about that. If you hear my voice, Jesus says, it means, now, now obviously, I don't expect Jesus to show up on Sunday morning at your house and wake you up and tell you to get in church. Like, he doesn't physically do that. This is a metaphor, right? This is an example. This is a way of explaining things. So, Jesus, you're going to say something to me, and I'm, you're going to knock, I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to hear your voice. Which means, 
Jesus is going to do something in your life to get your attention, and you're going to know it's him. And you say, what's he going to do? I don't know. I don't know. But he's going to do something, and you're going to know it's him. One time I was, uh, <laughs> I was getting ready for a Christmas service with the youth ministry, and I wanted to use candles. And uh, I, I didn't do a good job preparing for it, and I was looking for candles, and it was like maybe, maybe 15 minutes before youth group started, and I was still trying to find candles. And I was looking throughout the church, and I looked in this closet and that closet and the other closet, and I got to one closet in the office area, and I was kind of desperation. I, had nowhere, I didn't know where else to look. I looked in the attic, and I, and I opened the door to the closet, and I looked in, and, and I'm kind of looking, and I'm praying, and I'm like, I just, I need candles, Lord, please. And, and, and I looked straight forward, and there was a sign in the closet. There's a sign on the shelf, and it, and it said, candles up, and then a little arrow pointing up. <laughs> like, somebody knew I wouldn't know. I, I have no idea how that worked. I, I don't know if Jesus was like, Niles praying, give me a Sharpie. Candles up. You know? Like, I, I don't know how that worked. But I prayed and I looked and there was a sign and it pointed up and there was the candles. Um, I, all I can say is this. When Jesus tries to get your attention, you'll know it. You'll know it. Because you're the sheep, he's the shepherd, and he's going to speak He's going to do something, say something. Your, your crazy uncle's going to say something over Christmas. You're going to be like, what? Because it's going to be like Jesus to you. Or, or you're, you're going to be reading something in a book, and it's going to be like, whoa. Or your coworker's going to do something, and you're going to be like, it was Jesus. And, and it's just going to smack you because you're going to recognize his voice. I don't know how it's going to be. You know, God can use donkeys. He can use anything. He can use anything. But you're going to know it's Jesus. Because you're a sheep. So you hear his voice. What happens if you invite him in? Innkeeper didn't that night. What happens if you invite Jesus in? Well, part of Revelation 3 in this church, one thing Jesus says to them is he says, you say I'm rich and I've acquired wealth, I don't need anything. But you don't realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. When you invite Jesus in, he comes with gifts. He comes with Christmas gifts for you. He says, I'm going to bring you gold. Now, we all know the wise men brought gold, right? But Jesus wants to bring you gold. And you say, what's the gold? Why, why is Jesus offering me gold? And I think it's just a general metaphor for spiritual riches, grace, his presence, joy, peace. He wants you to be spiritually rich. He's bringing gold. Which, if you just open the door. He's bringing clothing, white clothing, to cover your shameful nakedness. If there's sin that you're ashamed of, he'll cover that up. He'll cover it up. He'll help you say no to it. He'll help you walk in, in, a, in a way of obedience. He wants to put on these white clothes. He comes with a new wardrobe for you if you just open the door. And it also says he gives you eye salve, eye medicine. Meaning, he's going to help you see things from a spiritual perspective. See him correctly, 
see how amazing he is and how much you should love him and follow him and obey him. He'll help you see people differently. That, that person that drives you crazy suddenly becomes, becomes someone you pray for and have compassion for. Your enemy becomes someone that you start loving on instead of just complaining about. He helps you see differently because he brings some eye medicine. And you find out once you put the eye medicine on, your eye infection goes away. And you start seeing correctly. You start seeing the way God sees. He comes bearing gifts. The other thing he does is he, uh, he says, I want to come in and eat with you and you with me. He wants to share a meal. One of the things we do uh, when we have anniversaries, I think almost universally, we usually go out to dinner. Now, you might have different plans. You might have different creative things you do. But I think every year it's, it's going to be a dinner somewhere. It's going to be a night. It's not going to be McDonald's. It's going to be the white stag. It's going to be nice. And we're going to sit down and have a meal. We're going to talk about each other. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about marriage. We're, we're, we're going to be together. And it's going to be nice probably without children, um, but you never know, uh, depending on how it goes. Jesus says, I want to have this close, personal, family meal with you. That's what I want. I want to spend time with you. I want to get close to you. Well, how do you do that? What does Jesus mean? I'm sure he means you start reading the Bible and see his words. You can start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Some people in the new year will make, you'll make commitments to read this book. Some of you will make a commitment to read through it in a year. That's awesome. Some of you just need to start getting into it because Jesus wants to have a meal with you. Some of you haven't taken communion in a church in who knows how long. That's a meal Jesus wants to share with you. Some of you don't have a home church. Jesus wants to meet with you with other believers. He wants to spend time with you. Do you hear that in his heart here when he says, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me? I love how he reverses it. He plays it both ways. I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. I love that. You want to spend time with me, Jesus? You're not just the, the God who condemns. No, you're the God who forgives. You're the God who forgives me and wants to be, be with me. If you let him in, he'll spend time with you. And you'll spend time with him. You'll pray to him. You'll see his words in the Bible. You'll be close. He wants you to feel close to him. And then finally, if you let him, uh, if you let him stay, so, so okay, I, I'm not a condemning person. I, I don't play that game because Jesus didn't come to condemn and I, I don't come to condemn. But, but I do think the Holy Spirit convicts. And for those of you that are like, I'm, I'm the Christmas Eve and Easter person. I mean, two services a year, maybe three. We'll see. Um, can, can I just say to you that if, if you let Jesus stay in your heart, if you hear him knocking and you hear his voice and let him in and he stays, what happens? If you never say, you can leave now, Jesus, I've got my full dose of you for, I don't know, another three, four months. If you let him stay, if you say, I'm going to actually repent of my sin. The, the thing that I've been doing all year or for years, I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to obey Jesus. I mean, I know he's already forgiven me, but I'm going to start really following him. If you let him stay, what happens? 
Well, the scripture doesn't say this. This this is my take on it. This is what I think happens. If you let him stay inside, he becomes the head of your household. Someone always wears the pants in the family, right? You're about to head into family this family weekend. You'll probably see that coming out a few times. Somebody's in charge of the meal. Somebody's in charge of what we're doing. Last year, I, I remember we had a, uh, what did we do last year? We had this Christmas play we were supposed to do, and I was given lines to read and a hat to wear, and I was like, what am I doing? Read the lines, all right? I'm reading. Wear the hat, okay. I look ridiculous. Um, if, if you let Jesus stay in your house, he becomes the head of the household. He's in charge now. Not you. Not anybody else. He is in charge. And what a king he is. What a savior he is. What a Lord. What, what a, a God who to direct us, to love us, to show us the way. To say, if anyone wants to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow. And we follow. We follow. So I, I don't know what you've heard tonight, but tonight don't be the innkeeper. Don't keep Jesus on the outside. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be in the middle anymore. Be hot. Be hot. Welcome him in. Let him stay there. Look at the gifts he'll bring you. Look at the closeness you'll experience. Look at the leadership he will give to your life as the head of the household. That's what Jesus wants. And we welcome him. We welcome him. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. And I pray for those that have been lukewarm, that have been just on the fence. And yeah, they they believe you. They believe you died on the cross for them. They get it. But they just haven't been following. I pray for them now. That they would welcome you into their hearts. Take up residence. Lead, guide, direct. Pour out spiritual blessings of gold, white clothing, and eye salve. Help us see. Help us experience everything you have for us. It's amazing, Jesus, to think that you came, and and yes, wise men gave you gifts, but we've experienced the greatest gift of all. You just keep pouring out the grace. You just keep pouring it out. We thank you. Help us continue now to worship you with all of our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.